0: This is episode 25 of the Rising Man podcast with Sam Lewis. Turn it up. Greetings, Rising Man family, and welcome back to the Rising Man Podcast. I'm your host and the creator of the show, Jetty Azuma, and I appreciate you taking some time to listen to this episode and check in with all these incredible men coming in from all over the world to share their wisdom, their experiences for the benefit of all of us men. It's been a vision come into reality to bring all of the stories of different men to the table to benefit all of us men out there who are out there in the trenches, doing the best we can to become the best version of ourselves we can be for our families, for our communities, for our co-workers, for everybody, for the planet. So I'm really, really excited to see this community growing. Speaking of communities, if you guys are not already a part of the Rising Man Facebook group, go ahead over there right now, pause this episode, go over to facebook.com slash groups slash the Rising Man. We're about 650 members strong right now as I record this, and we are only growing. We're literally on the rise. It's been amazing. It's like something set off this week, and there's been so much more happening inside of that group. In conjunction with what's happening in the Rising Man Facebook group, I do have a special announcement. I mentioned it on the last episode that we're going to be having our first ever Rising Man Fire Circle live for our biggest supporters of the Rising Man podcast. Now, what this is going to look like is there's going to be a virtual conference with me and the guys who are getting a special invitation to this first one who have been supporting the Rising Man podcast from the start, commenting, sharing the episodes, getting other men involved in the Rising Man Facebook group. So Those invitations are rolling out as we speak. I promise you guys, they're coming to you. It's taken me a little bit longer than I anticipated, but we're going to be having this Rising Man Fire Circle on Saturday, July 14th starting at 1 p.m pacific standard time so wherever you are in the world if you get a special invitation to this make sure you mark off your calendars and it's going to be a really powerful opportunity for us to get together to share some of our challenges as men I'll be fielding questions for those of you guys who want to ask me some questions and also just bringing some material and opportunities for us to workshop together as men doing it like men have been doing around the fire for years except we're going to be around the virtual fire (laughs) and I also want to Mentioned before, I introduced this this week's guest. That if you're listening to this podcast, if you've been listening, if you've been absorbing some of the messages and wisdom transmitted by the men who have been coming on this show, and you're still feeling like you're not quite getting to where you want to be in your life, maybe you're stuck in a job that you don't like. You really don't like it. You're just stuck there and you don't know how to find your way out or maybe you're in a relationship that's not really filling your needs maybe there's something in your life that feels good but not great if that's you i want you to really check in with yourself and let me know what that not good enough yet is for you by sending me a message on facebook or hit me up on email jettyazuma at gmail.com i'm committed to helping every man out there find their next step just the next step you don't have to figure out everything all at once just figure out the next step figure out what that first breakthrough is start stacking some wins and build that momentum so if that's you out there i'm speaking right to you send me that message i guarantee you'll get a response from me It may take me a little bit of time but i'll get to every one of you guys a lot of you guys have been reaching out and i really appreciate that it tells me that you guys are hungry to be the best version of yourselves so let me introduce my guest for this week This man is a brother of mine, although we have yet to meet in person and we will soon. I know that is going to happen. We will meet in person soon. Sam Lewis is a self-proclaimed innerpreneur, which he defines as an entrepreneur who seeks within himself for answers. He runs successful international marketing businesses in Australia, New Zealand, and California. Recently, he's directed his energy towards supporting other entrepreneurs in their business ventures. He's also a fellow Man Cave coach with me inside Man Cave, and he's an all-around smashing lad. I really love this man. He brings so much energy and wisdom to the table, but in a very unique, brand of wisdom. Uh, I won't say anything more. I'll let you guys just experience Sam. Some of the things we talked about in this episode are following your dreams and really making them come true. Not just like the fairy tale stuff, really making them happen. Giving a new definition to success and what success means for us. And also the value of positive male role models on a young man. And so much more. This episode is really chock full of greatness Please enjoy Sam and his wonderful accent from down under. <laughs> Without further ado, Sam Lewis. All right, Sam Lewis, my man, coming all the way from Vanuatu. How you doing today, bro? <laughs> really good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I just recorded someone recently who was my first... Australian guest. Well actually he's New Zeal he's from New Zealand but he's he was re- in Australia and I said wow that's a big that's a big monumental occasion and here you are my first Vanuatu guest coming live from the island. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they call the local people here Ni Vanuatu people. So Ni Van's for short. So uh, but i have an Australian <laughs> background. So I was born in Australia, lived in New Zealand for 2 years and then we um, decided to make a move to Vanuatu be interesting to know how many or how many people listening actually know where Vanuatu is I think that's
0: yeah uh, people are probably hearing this they probably don't even know how to spell it (laughs) and I don't think we have a very big Vanuatu audience yet but maybe you can help us change that (laughs) definitely (laughs) yes man and and that is such a critical piece of the story that I'm looking forward to sharing with everybody is how you made the decision to leave your life in New Zealand behind in pursuit of, of your dream of living on the island. So before we jump into all that juiciness, let me start off this way and I ask you this question. What to you is the difference between a boy and a man?
1: Hmm. The difference between a boy and a man becomes a time in your life where you start to take responsibilities for your actions and you really step into And I know I think i I'd yeah, you know, I know in my early 20s, I was, you know, just, you know, going out and getting drunk and doing this sort of stuff and not taking responsibility for my actions or thinking about consequences or anything like that. There becomes a point where you, yeah, you take responsibility for your actions and you really step into that, into that manhood.
0: Yeah. And that's something that's starting to come up over and over again, is there's this element of responsibility we take for ourselves when we become men that as boys, we just, at least I know when I was a boy, I didn't even think to take that type of responsibility for my actions and everything that was happening to me. So, so this is something I haven't asked anybody yet, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. In what ways are the boy and the man similar? If we talked about the difference, in what way are they the same or similar?
1: Okay, well, I think I think, um, I think there's, there's there's qualities that never really change. I mean, the the boisterousness and you know having fun and enjoying yourself and the the playing side of things. I don't I don't think that ever really changes. And I think you know you've got some inherent qualities in you. You know who you are as a person. I don't. I don't think they should. Well, for me, they haven't really changed over my life. It's just more about stepping into a place where you know. Yeah, you are more responsible and responsible for your actions. And I suppose you see a little bit wider. You have a wider view of of how your your actions and what you're doing, how it affects the the world around you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love that, man. I I agree. I think there's something that gets instilled in us from, from birth, or maybe even before that, maybe way back in conception, that is just signature to who you are. And that sticks with you through all these different stages of sharpening and honing that, so... Awesome, man. Well, thank you for responding to that. And in the spirit of speaking about the boy, I know you also have a very unique story to your upbringing. So just for the audience to get a little bit of context of in what type of environment and situation you were raised in so that we know a little bit more about who you are. And then we'll talk about your journey into becoming a man.
1: I suppose I was... I was raised into a, a very uh, alternative or, or, or spiritual family. When I was born, I wasn't a, given a name until I was about four or five months old. They didn't want to name me. They didn't want me to have any, I suppose, attachment or identity around a name. Um, and that's, that's sometimes the first the first part of the, the identity is, is the name and being called something. Um, so they didn't want that. So I was, I was brought up um, vegetarian to my mum, who was a yoga teacher and yoga master. And now, and now she does a lot more energy healing and energy work. And to a father that spent a lot of his time meditating, so it's very different. And he's um, he lives in Vanuatu with us now, and he's, he's doing about ten hours a day of meditation. So yeah, very different upbringing. So I suppose this new age movement, if you like, and, and a lot of people that are stepping into it, it's it's not. Uh, I suppose it's not a new thing for me, it's sort of the way I was I was brought up. So. So yeah, very very different upbringing. Yeah, my mum was the health food health food lady at the, at the school canteen, which didn't go down too well, and um, putting you know <laughs> vegan snacks in there and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that, that's yeah that's how I've been brought up in that way.
0: And, and so did you go to? I don't know what the system is like over in New Zealand and Australia, but did you go to a public school? Or were you homeschooled
1: for the first for the first four yeah four years of schooling? I went to an alternate school. It was a school called Yang which means something in Aboriginal, but that was run by the parents. That led to me, that gave me a lot of autonomy over what I wanted to learn. When I went to school in grade four, I was doing around about grade eight or nine maths because I love maths, but I struggled to read. One of the, I remember clearly like our our first test in school was reading that we had to spell flag and I spelled flag without the L, which went down well, so that was, I spelled a fag. So (laughs) all the boys had fun with that. But, yeah so I sort of was brought up in this alternate school and I was probably one of the only students with a with the name Sam in the school they're all sunshine or rainbows and you know all, all sort of heavy uh-huh. yeah and then that, that sort of led into me being really good at math um, but struggling to read because I didn't like reading um, and I, and I enjoyed I enjoyed numbers and I enjoyed the math of it, but yeah yeah
0: yeah so, so that's interesting, man. And I'm imagining coming from an alternative upbringing, what was it like when you started to integrate into a public school or I guess more integration into the masses, you know, the, the people who were being raised in a more conventional manner?
1: Look, it's honestly, I was I striving was for it. I, you know, I had my friends on the neighborhood block that we used to ride bikes around the in the local cul-de-sac or around the neighborhood. So I was I striving was for that, that connection with, with other people because I mean we were travelling a little bit to go to my school and I wasn't really able to hang out with my friends from school after school or anything like that but integrating into it it was look it was it was a bit of a challenge because I didn't do authority really well and I'd always been taught to think for myself which I believe led me to be very intelligent but some of the tests didn't show that way because I wasn't reading at a certain level it was quite funny they thought I was dyslexic because I couldn't read And then then they tested me on mass. And I tested so high on mass and so low in reading that they actually thought maybe I might be on the autism spectrum. So there was all these labels thrown at me at a young age, which I didn't really understand, which which led me to rebel. And
0: let's let's highlight that a little bit because I know I've had a couple other guests on the show who had a, a similar story, where at a young age some labels were tossed on you, and and as a young as a boy you internalized that because you don't quite know what it means to to be dyslexic or or maybe autistic or somewhere on the spectrum. So how would you say that that impacted you at that point, and and what did that? What trajectory did that send you on when when you started to go through those tests and procedures?
1: Yeah, de- definitely. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand what dyslexia was, and then and then autism. I thought that was that. that I did. I knew a little bit about autism because there was a there was a kid I knew who had autism, and uh, I saw it in a negative light. So I didn't want to be autistic. I'm not autistic, so um, so I saw that really negative. So I did rebel, and I didn't really understand. And so the authorities, as such, were telling me different labels so my only response was to rebel against the authorities because mm-hmm. the only real support I had was 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 coming from my parents at home, which, mm-hmm. you know, coming from a, a very, you know, spiritual background, they sort of told me I could fly and I could do whatever I wanted. So I was sort of listening to them. My dad made a big mistake and he told me I was really upset with teachers. I think I was in about year four or five, grade four or five, um, and he told me, don't worry, son, then, you know, teachers, those who can't teach. And that's something that stuck with me and made me rebel because for a long time I thought I knew a little bit more than the teachers or I didn't have to listen to them. I didn't quite understand what they were doing and why they were labelling me a certain way. And, yeah, definitely mm-hmm. rebelled. And that went into my teens and rebelled with with violence and, and crime and, you know, smoking a lot of pot and, and that sort of stuff. So
0: that's And that's really fascinating, man. There's things that our parents and our teachers and I guess the people who are helping to raise us at a young age, no matter how good of a job they're doing, no matter how much, how, how much they're trying their best to, to give us the best life that we can have, they say things, they do things that, that we attach to that impact and influence us. And in the work that I've been doing, I've been talking to more and more men who have these stories connected to like one thing that their parents said or one thing that they saw or heard that shaped the next two decades of their lives. Mm-hmm. And it's always fascinating to me to hear that. So to hear your part of the story and say that, you know, the things that your teachers were telling you, and then the, the story that your father spun on it, sent you into this trajectory of violence and rebelling and, and being the rebel without a cause type of, you know, James Dean Type of character, uh, it's 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 really fascinating that we that we do those things. And so, so tell us a little bit about the next stage of your life. You know, so being a teenager and the journeying through adolescence. What what type of challenges came up for you then? Well,
1: um, look, I th- I think that that lesson that my father taught me, or or, or being the rebel without the cause, it, it did definitely come full circle coming into adulthood. But I suppose as a teen, there was there was lots of challenges, and I always wanted to identify with something. So I played a lot of basketball, and I was you know I was quite successful at basketball. So I, I identified with that. I started playing, you know, a lot of a lot of point guard position and where I where I had a leadership role, um, and that's 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 where I really had my outlet is because I was I was good at it and I could lead people, and yeah, I just went from uh, I, I found there was there were certain identities I I'd tried to play. It was the basketball guy, and then I was I was shooting to to make the the Australian team, and I missed the Australian team. By I, I was one of ten guys that missed the Australian team. They went to a squad for twenty for the age group, and they obviously picked ten. Um, they took ten guys away, um, and I was one of the ten that got dropped. So from there, it sort of, I looked for another identity, and that's that's when you know when weed came into my life, and I started smoking a lot of weed and became the the weed smoking guy. But Mm -hmm. I think in my yeah I was always looking for an identity or something to or a a group I suppose or or a a clique that I could attach myself to Mm -hmm. something I could call my yeah something I could call myself so
0: yeah and and they say that that's one of the most instinctual human pursuits is the search for belonging you know the search for uh, some group some community team whatever it is to belong to because that's where we find acceptance and that's how we function we're we're social beings and so. I don't think we know that at a young age. I think it's it's just instinctual, you know, that we that we do that. But it's it's really interesting to hear how more and more men are are shaping their identity around something that will get them approval, that will get them to belong. So how did you navigate through that time of your life, you know, because obviously, you know, we're, we're walking up through the years and I know that there's success right on the other side of this. So, so what was some of the things, some of the most critical moments during that stage of your life before you started to really discover who you were? Well, look, I mean,
1: through high school, high school was a bit of a trouble. I mean, I actually got let back into high school. They expelled me. Then they let me back in because I was the I was the senior basketball captain and I was the starting point guard and stuff like that. And the school was known for, for basketball. Um, so, we're the top we're the top school in the state for basketball. So they let me back into school, which which was rather funny, and then kicked me out after after we won the state championships. So it was it was <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a love hate relationship with school. There was a few good teachers, but most of the teachers sort of told you know there was this there was this real I suppose negative. Uh, they put a lot of negativity towards me around me not being able to succeed um, at this stage. And I really hope the education system has changed. But it was really that you need to go out and do a certain thing. So they kept on trying to get me to leave and and work, um, work with my hands, become a tradesperson and stuff like that, which just wasn't my cup of tea. I really didn't enjoy the physical labor side of things. So... I suppose I left school and I was a little bit lost around what I wanted to do. So I did some physical labor jobs. I washed cars. I, I like cars. So the car washing job, that was fun. It was fun in the summer and horrible in the winter because it got cold. <laughs> and I, I did some factory work and stuff like that. And then I was, I was lucky enough to come across and add in the paper for a sales job. It was a door-to-door sales job. I didn't know they didn't advertise it was store-to-door. And I sort of I remember talking to my parents about it and they said, oh, i do sales. You know, you're know, you a smart ass. You'll be good at sales. And yeah, so I went in and got a job in door-to-door sales and and my first week I made I made a thousand dollars as an 18-year-old kid and I was sort of sort of hooked from there. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 my start into yeah.
0: Awesome. So before we go any farther, at that point of your life, like right after high school, when you're starting to to get out in the workforce with these different jobs, what was your definition of success at that time?
1: You know, I used to watch a lot of a lot of a lot of gangster movies and, and listen to 90s gangster rap and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I tried my hand at, at selling a little bit of weed and stuff like that. And I had friends that you know were making a grand a week or a couple of grand a week selling selling some weed. So there was there was an idea of success around that. It was very much materialistic, watching what people could do with money and buy a fast car and live in a nice place, wear nice clothes, all that sort of stuff. So that was my idea around success. I hadn't really been exposed at that stage of my life to. Any sort of wealth creation, or any sort of anybody that's that's really being successful, it was just sort of you know people. that are, I suppose we're living ghetto fabulous, you know what I mean? So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just driving nice money, cars money, nice
0: cars, materials, those types of things. What about women? Were were women wrapped into that for you too?
1: One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so you had to, you had to kind of where
0: we all were at, man. I mean, we're about the same age. I mean, I was listening to the '90s gangster rap too, man, and I was like, yeah, it's all about money and women and cars and throw a system on it, throw some rims on it, like that was the whole deal, right? (laughs) That's it. (laughs) So, I I guess the point I'm trying to make. So, so at this point, how old are you at that at that age?
1: At that age, um look 17, 18 years
0: old. Okay. So this is where you're like in your later teens, you know, you're starting to go into your early twenties. So you pick up this sales job, you start getting some success in at least as far as like earning a, uh, some good money. I mean, a thousand dollars a week for an 18 year old kid is is pretty good. So, so where did, so where did that carry you into from there
1: look it really gave me some confidence because um, I was you know I was left school I was a little bit lost I'd gotten a little bit of a little bit of trouble where I was and I had to move away from my hometown so I was sort of living away from my parents for the first time me and my friend were living it was about three hours up the road from from where I grew up and just really looking for what I was doing I was going from laboring job just to get money and really just just didn't know what to do. I got this sales job and it was it was uplifting because instantaneously I could walk into a position where I was making, you know, that meant thousand dollars week, that meant $50,000 a year. And at that time, $50,000 a year was a lot of money. That was, you know, that was sort of, that was graduate money or above graduate money. That really gave me confidence because I knew I wasn't going to go back to school, I wasn't going to do university, I wasn't going to graduate that way. And I really had ambitions and things that I wanted to inch, uh, achieve in life, but I really didn't know how to do it. So it was extremely uplifting. My first boss in sales, he was fantastic. I've tried to chase him down. I can't find him on Facebook anyway, but he he just really taught me how to act. And, you know, I, I was very excited about the money that I was making. So he used to call me up and I used to, he used to call me up, on, you know, when I was when I was at work and I'd go, yo, And he'd go, no. He'd, go, he'd hang up on me and he'd call me back again and I'd go, yo. Hang up for me. And then he called me back and I go, Sam speaking. He goes, all right, now I'll talk to you. So he <laughs> taught me how to act in a business, you know, to act like a businessman and think a little bit more for myself. He took me out and bought me my first suit and got me into the mindset that I could I could achieve whatever I wanted to achieve, which was extremely mm. uplifting because I heard it from my parents. But that was running a little bit dry because, you know, that's 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 what your parents are meant to tell you. OK. And I haven't. I haven't so that's,
0: that's interesting. So what's the difference between hearing it from your parents and hearing it from a, a guy that you're working for in your industry?
1: Yeah, I suppose you are meant to hear it from your parents. And it was just I hadn't had that positive role model, that positive adult role model in my life. Because the teachers, teachers didn't tell me. it; They told me quite the opposite. And I just, yeah, so hearing it from your parents, I mean, mum's mom, going to be mum, mum's going to uplift you, you know what I mean? I was lucky enough to have a mum like that. So you, uh, I suppose you take it for granted. You take what your parents say for granted. This guy came along and yeah, he, he saw something in me, he saw a personality in me and um, definitely tried to try to you know, um, get me to see it myself.
0: Yeah, and, and just in that one example of what you said about the way you were answering the phone when he would call and you would say, yo, and he'd hang up on you, that's that's a different Love—that's a different mentorship than you get from your mom, (laughs) you know. Like in mom's eyes, for the most part, you can do no wrong, right? So, so what is it about that masculine mentor, that male mentor relationship that that you think was really important and how did it uh, set you on course for the next stage of your life?
1: Funny you bring this up. I I haven't really thought about this. I mean, it's it's definitely something that played. it Because I I think about Alex with his name. I think about Alex a lot. But look, at my stage, I was 18 years old, and he was—he was very flashy. He bought his wife a, a thirty thousand dollar engagement ring, and he had nice, nice bling himself, and you know drove a drove a nice seven series BMW, and all this sort of stuff. So there was there was very much he had the he had the idea of success that an eighteen year old boy was looking up to. Uh-huh. So he had all the bling and the flash and stuff like that. But it wasn't it wasn't just that it was it was the support and the nurture that he did give me, and the fact that he, him himself was a little bit of an underdog. He had similar sort of. You know, troubles throughout school, and never got a university degree, and stuff like that. So he saw a personality in me, and really took me underneath his wing. And it was just—I I think it was just—it was really nice to have an adult see something in me when I when when I hadn't seen that outside of my um, immediate family group.
0: Yeah, and and I love that this story is coming up. I, I had no idea where we were going to go here, but here we are. And I'm thinking as you're speaking, and I'm listening to your story, that as children. And obviously, I'm painting a broad stroke here, but for the most part, as children, when we go into school, they don't let you pick your teachers, right? It's not like they stand a bunch of the teachers in front of the school and they, they say a few words about themselves and what they like and what they're into and how they like to teach, and then the kids choose who they want to learn from. It's like, No. Lottery system, you're in this class, you're in this class, you're in, you know, and and you don't get to choose who you learn from. And I think that that's really important. And so what I'm hearing in your story is, and I know what I relate to in mine, is I had to go out and look for the people that I resonated with. I had to go out and look for the people that I wanted to learn from in my life. Nobody was going to do it for me, and they certainly weren't giving me a choice of who I wanted to learn from. So I I, I just wanted to highlight that as a message for men out there, regardless of age, but particularly the young men out there, that if you find somebody that you resonate with, spend some time with that person. Ask them to mentor you. Ask them to help you answer some questions that you're having about your own life, because that person has definitely had someone do that for them before. So I'm sure they would be happy to do it for you. And it's different when you really relate to somebody, isn't it?
1: Oh, 100%. Hundred percent. Yeah, I've I've, I've definitely yeah. found. I look back onto the, that time, and now look, i have now my business. I mean, this is we're moving forward a little bit, but now my business in New Zealand and Australia is I, I'm still involved in that sort of sales, but I'm on the other end. I'm, I'm that guy. So I really do. I love the the rags to riches story, and I really I attach myself to the young girls and guys that come into the business that you know have that personality, have that spark. But just haven't had the the right direction in life. Um, so it's 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 funny how the student becomes the mentor.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and also I guess just like what I'm hearing you say is that being in the position you're in now, how much do you love when someone comes to you and says, "Sam, can you teach me everything you know? Can I spend some more time? Can I buy you a cup of coffee? I just wanna I want to learn more from you, man. Can I spend time with you?" Oh, it's
1: it's 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 what you live for. It, it really is. I mean, because yeah, I'd be. I can understand what it did for me and how that really changed my life around. So yes, yeah, so I. That's. I mean, that's this is. I've I've been doing um a marketing business now for fifteen years. Okay, doing this direct sales marketing business, running. We don't just do door to door, but door to door and this direct sales sort of marketing stuff. And to be in it for for fifteen years, I'm like a dinosaur in the industry. Um, not many people <laughs> last fifteen years. But the one thing that keeps me going on it is that you know to to be able to make a connection with a young person and i know if they do a year to 2 years within my business whether they make a whole lot of money or not they're going to have huge amounts of growth as a person and that's the one thing that really 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 keeps keeps the doors open really keeps me keep going back into my business and and pushing and growing out to the next level
0: mm, that's perfect so let's I, I want to carry part of this narrative forward you know we were talking i asked you the question before what was your definition of success when you were first getting into sales and you were getting into that field of practice? And then we fast forwarded a bit. Here you are with your business. Let's talk about a year ago, right? Where you're, you have a very successful business over in Australia and New Zealand. You're doing really well. What was your defin How did your definition of success change once you made it to the top of the chain?
1: Mm. I mean, for, for a long time. And I think the driver to, to get me a certain level of success was always the, the material side of things, um, the cars, the money, houses, stuff like that. Once I, I got all that, I, I was still looking for, for a happiness and there, there was a void that was not filled, that any, any car could fill. It's funny, when I moved to New Zealand, it was quite funny. I went over there and I wanted to build my credit rating because I wanted to buy a house and stuff like that. So I started to buy cars in the space of about a year and a half. I went through about five cars. And these are not, you know, I went. I had an M3 BMW, then I bought the AMG Mercedes and the M4, and I just started keeping, trading these cars in. And I was absolutely mad. And then I realized after all this, there's this, you know, when you get something new or something flashed, there's, there's a euphoric feeling that comes from it, but that will only last 24 hours, sometimes 48 hours, okay? And then you're looking for the next thing. So there's this, this insatiable need for more, 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 more. I identified this, and I thought, well, this insatiable need—it it creates anxiety for me to always want and chase more in my life. Is that really where I want to be? When am I ever going to be satisfied? When have I ever made it? So then I started to look at, you know, what what really, you know, what, what's really important to me. You know, I started to take, uh, I suppose, some leaf out of my dad's books, and meditation's been been a big part of my journey. And once I've started to go inside and really have a look at who I really am, a lot of these materialistic and I, I suppose the objects that I was chasing, just a bullshit. So I've really started to look at, you know, what it really means to be who I am and, you know, what, what, what my, not so much what my purpose is, but what, where am I going to find peace, not the happiness, not the joy, not the, the blissful 24-hour endorphin kick, but where am I going to find the peace? Mm. and that's not in materialistic things so
0: Hmm. so what did you find when you started asking yourself that question like who who am i really and what am i about what came up
1: when you ask that question you ask that question quite deeply it's um it's you know what you what you call an ego death i suppose so what (laughs) came up is a lot of stuff real fast um, and a lot of smacks in the face it was it was and still is a really testing time where i'm just continually inquiring to the I suppose the inquiring to who I am. There's a lot of different things that have come up emotionally for me and stuff like that. But I'm starting to realise it's not really what what I can acquire in life or what I can go out there and get. It's just about being happy and giving gratitude to the present moment and where I am right now. So this is this is the whole move to Vanuatu. It was like we wanted we wanted to make a move. I was not finding myself being able to get out of the, the Western nightmare, living in a major city, always chasing, you know, the, the next shiny thing. So we had a look at making a move. We looked at Bali, but Bali still has a lot of shiny things. So we went to, we re, then we looked at um, Vanuatu. Now, Vanuatu is a little island in the Pacific. Um, at the moment, the island that we live in is about 40,000 people, I think. Okay, so it's about 40,000 people. We live sort of 20 minutes down a dirt road, 40 minutes out of town so we're in the middle of absolutely nowhere
0: let me ask you this what, what would you say is the equivalent of vanuatu like if you drew an analogy like the u.s is to blank as australia is to vanuatu it's not quite hawaii because hawaii is even more like bali right it's the shiny things. Nah. it's just there's nowhere in the world i've been like it it's like saying out of robinson crusoe <laughs> um
1: yeah it's all right over. cool
0: well, that puts it in perspective
1: it's hard to explain.
0: Right on. So you're so you're out there, man. Okay. So then, making this decision to be on this island how do, how does that align with the vision that you have for your life now?
1: Um, look, it removes it removes a whole lot of um desires that I've had. Um desires to to achieve certain things, desires to get shiny things. I'm still always going to have a drive to succeed in certain ways. Okay. I've found out about myself. I've tried to go and really crush all desires and at this stage in my life that does not suit i still there are still things i want to do but i'm just noticing as well as um we're living a lot with the with the local people like we've got some local people that live some Ni vanuatu people that live on the, on on the land with us and seeing you know, what they i suppose what their desires in life and how basic and simple everything is i mean in vanuatu it's in 2010 and this was before a major cyclone came through here um, they're living on around about $1.50 US a day. So it's an extremely mm. poor place. But the lonely, I think it was the lonely traveler, um, oh no, lonely planet, sorry, the lonely planet, they voted them the happiest people in the world. Mm. So it's a, just a complete shift of perspective. Like we go to the markets in Vanuatu and everybody smiles. It's cultural, you smile, you make eye contact. Um, if the smile lasts a and you go over and you shake their hand and there's just, there's a nice culture. We live down this dirt road, so we're always picking up people and smiling and waving at everyone. Um, and then I go back to <laughs> New Zealand, or I go, you know, go to the Western world, and you know, people think you're a little bit weird for smiling at them. So there's this there's an appreciation for different things in life, and you see the the peace and the joy in the, in, the, in the people here, and just how much they enjoy their lives and how close their their family circles are. And they've got nothing. They've got nothing. They mm. literally live on bananas and pawpaws and whatever they can afford to buy at the markets once a week.
0: Wow. See, that's that's what I thought I was doing when I left New York to come to California. I was, I showed up in California. I'm like, oh, my God, we're smiling at each other. You, you look me in the eyes and ask me how I'm doing when I walk past you in New York. It's like when then when I went back to New York after being in California and I started saying hi to people, people thought I was crazy. Here I am walking, walking around barefoot in New York city. People thought I was (laughs) probably, probably thought I was homeless. (laughs) So, but here you are. I mean, you took it like all the way to level 10 where you're, you're on the island living with the island folks. And I think the name of the documentary is called happy. I'll have to look it up and I'll put it in the show notes, but they did exactly that. They looked around the world at people living in different circumstances and asked them to assess their level of happiness. And they found that the happiest people in the world were living the most simply on, on the least. And so I see you as a researcher. You're, you, you literally went from, you know, the big first world, western world type of influence to living on the island. So what have you learned in your time? Because how long has it been now? It's been a few months, right?
1: Nearly six months.
0: Wow. Okay. So it's been six months you've been on the island. What are some of the biggest takeaways you have around happiness and simplicity that you've learned from the Ni Vanuatu people?
1: Um, it's, it's about the pace of life and slowing down. Um, it's very it's kind of funny moving moving over here there was a whole lot of red tape that we had to go through to get over here and the way they call it island time everything's done in island time Um, we Mm -hmm. only got our furniture a couple of months ago so for around about three or four months we're living without furniture because people are in island time and there was red tape and stuff like that Um, so that can be very frustrating but it is the charm it's 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 the beauty of it no one is in a rush And sometimes, you know, sometimes my partner always reminds me, I'll be rushing or overtaking people in traffic. She's like, where are you going? Like, (laughs) 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 why? Why? What's the point of rushing? Where where are you off to? I'm like, shit, no, (laughs) I'm not rushing. I'm "I'm rushing to the surf. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, and it's just people just take their time the way they walk it's it's funny in Vanuatu, there's a big ruster culture um so there's there's lots of they call them ruster boys with the dreadlocks and stuff like that so there's big big ruster culture they like me because of the dreadlocks they you know it's funny we have got a white line sticker on the back of the car and stuff like that um <laughs> but it but it is very nice to just watch people just go through life and, and 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 slow down that that is the biggest thing i've learned here is just how to slow down you just take your time and you know if it doesn't happen that day then it'll happen the next day but you you're just enjoying it and you're stopping to smell the roses as such which is one thing in the western world we forget to do
0: that makes me think you know while this is happening in vanuatu meanwhile in los angeles if you don't keep up in traffic you die (laughs) you can't survive out here unless you're keeping up with the pace and i think that you know on a more serious note that's that's where we're getting lost is we've created a pace that we can't really keep up with anymore. In Western culture, like in the first world, we just can't keep up with it. People are are giving all of their energy, all of their vital force and investing it into jobs and relationships and lifestyles that they don't love in order just to keep up with a pace that they didn't decide for themselves. And so I see that to be one of the most inspiring things I get from your story is, hey, you made it to what some people would say the top and then said, hey, there's got to be something there's got to be more to this and and here you are reporting live and in, in the flesh from paradise. It's pretty cool. It is, yeah. and the internet's working today. so it's it's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> there, yes, there are downfalls, right? They have the <laughs> island internet problems, but yes. Um, so let me ask let me ask you this now. man, now that you've spent six months in Vanuatu, what is your definition of success right now in this now moment?
1: To be able to have time to just be. That's, that's what I really, look at the moment, I'm still, I'm doing four weeks and and people think this is, this is the dream life, but I'm doing four weeks in Vanuatu and two weeks in New Zealand. So I'm going back this Saturday, I fly back to New Zealand and I don't look so scruffy. I put on the suit and I drive the BMW and I do the work thing. Okay. So I do that. (laughs) The whole time I'm there, all I want to do is come back and surf and relax and, you know, watch the sunset. So I really think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's about being able to get yourself to a place where you can relax. Mm. Now, some people do, you know, in the Western world, some people you do need money and I'm still stuck in that idea that I need to have a nice a nice place. Like we've, we've got a huge, huge place, but we're looking at buying next door to get more more privacy and stuff like that. And I'm still stuck in the idea that we need to have this nice place and stuff like that. And every time I look at the Nivanowati people, I'm reminded, no, you don't need that. They just have their full small little hut and their family unit, and they go fishing and they pick fruit, and, and that's and and that's where the peace is. So I really think it's you know as a, as a, as a man, it's about getting your, your yourself in a place where you where you can find that peace, and you've got time to enjoy the things, and look at the stars, and watch the sunset, and go surfing and swim in the ocean, and that's success to me now.
0: Mm. Yeah, man, and I, I do believe that it's important for us to. To drive and, and to, to get the engine going towards something that is meaningful and purposeful for us. Like I, I love, especially when we're talking about men, I love that characteristic, that attribute that men have to really light their fire up and, and move like a warrior in, with, with narrow vision and focus on what they want to accomplish and achieve. And there's also the saying that I've heard from one of my mentors that there's no man on his deathbed who said that he wished he worked more in his life. It's always, you know, spending time with the people you love and and relishing the experiences and the opportunities that you have to live your life. So I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. And it's I think it's important for all of us to recognize that before it's too late, because how many how many stories have you heard of people who who bust their ass their whole life just to get to retirement and realize that they're miserable because they've they've missed the best years of their life. Right.
1: No, oh, Big time. And it's, um, yeah, it's 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 hard on your mental and your physical health as well. I mean, that was a big decision for me to move to Vanuatu. It was your know, mental and physical health. I was trying to achieve a goal that was a forever moving target. It was it was ridiculous. Um, I was I was chasing something that was continually moving, or I'd get there and then it would move again and move again. I just thought, when is this going to stop? And that mentally, that's you living in a state of anxiety all the time you're always anxious about what's the next thing what's the next thing what's the next thing you can't just have that peace and sit and relax um and then physically you know in the in the business world i was eating and drinking out every night of the week and that wasn't good for my physical health as well so
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's
1: it, it's nice to be able to relax and just chill
0: <laughs> right on man so let me ask you this what's the next level for sam lewis
1: I'm not thinking about it. I'm not thinking about it. I'm looking for, for certain ways to to get out of my business, to get out of my business in New Zealand. I still want that to run because it serves a lot of young people and a lot of young people get success out of it. But, but I'm looking at a way where I can travel back to New Zealand out of choice and not out of necessity. Mm. So at the moment I have to go every 4 weeks to keep my business and I sort of inject it for 2 weeks and, and get it going, get the wheels spinning again um, and then I leave for 4 weeks. I don't want to be, that's still a constraint in my life, prohibits me from doing what I want to do. So I'm looking at different things that where I can make an income to be able to support myself on the island. Okay. That one aligned with me that I can be in a place of service and and something that is joyful and effortless. Um, and I think when joy comes into making money, that's that's when it really does become effortless.
0: Mm. Nice man. That's that's a great segue into my next question. You've already covered so, so many great topics and so many great pearls of wisdom for for men who are looking to carve their piece of pie out of the world. Uh, I'm just wondering if you have a specific message for the men out there. Is there like a specific message that you really champion that you believe that all men need to hear?
1: When you sit quietly and you you figure out what really makes you happy. What really really makes you happy? What makes you the most at peace and I'm not talking about anything that sort of lights you up or is is false, what really gives you peace and just makes you think, ah, chase that, chase that and not the image of what the world wants you to chase or what you see on Instagram or social media or any of the bullshit or the movies and stuff like that. When are you just at, ah, peace? And chase
0: that mm, i love that man that's a that's a great place to calibrate your compass from <laughs> whatever gives you peace i uh, love that man and, and so this next question as we start to pull things together to a close um you may have already answered this but i'll ask it anyway what is one thing you've learned up to this point in your life that you wish you knew back when you were 18
1: nothing i'm grateful for the journey and it all happened for a reason i really do i think i learned different, you know, I was a completely different person at 18 than I am now. And I'm grateful of that. I think, you know, it's been part of the evolution of my my consciousness as a human being.
0: Mm. Awesome, man. Cool. So let me ask you this, then. What do you think are some of the most important values for men to have in, in designing their lives and creating their lives?
1: For, I think, them to understand their values and what they are, firstly, really understand their values from a place of heart and not so much the head, not the values, as I said, that are I suppose thrown in our face through Western media and the Western world, but, but what are your what are your core values? What's what's in the heart? Um, to know those values and to be able to you know create a life around those values, because anything else is just it's not going to suffice. There's, it's going to lead to anxiety and and the lack of a lack of peace and a lack of happiness.
0: Right on, man! I love that. Awesome, man. And you know before i before I wrap up and let you go, what what do you want the people to know about what you're up to in the world, what you're creating? where can where can they follow your journey as a Vanuatu man these days <laughs> give us the <laughs> socials the links whatever you want to share
1: I don't know the social links um, but yeah, guys look I'm doing a lot on social media I've searched into the world of um, you know supporting and coaching and mentoring people we're looking at doing retreats in in Vanuatu as well which which we're really excited about um, but yeah look I mean you can follow me on on Instagram it's Sam Lewis Yeah, look, um, look guys. um, I'm looking at. um, I'm doing doing quite a lot of coaching, coaching a a lot of um, conscious business people at the moment. Um, And definitely, if you guys want to follow my journey, um, check me out on Facebook. It's just Sam Lewis, or on Instagram, it's Sam Lewis. Innerpreneur. That's I-double-n-e-r-p-r-e-n-e-u-r. So it's like entrepreneur, but inner um so yeah you can check that out on on social media
0: and and who are the types of people who would really benefit from the coaching and the mentoring and the workshops that you're putting together i know you said entrepreneurs conscious business folks
1: yeah well where i've gone at the moment is down the is down the conscious business road and i mean i suppose that's that's my story but look it's basically anyone that's their level of success is not serving them anymore i think that's where where i can really help and support people i mean i think there's a lot of people in the world that that feel that their level of success is not supporting and but for whatever reason there's a fear about leaving that if there's an attachment to that level of success and there's a fear around them losing everything or not having life and look i pushed through that fear and really took that leap so yeah anybody that really wants a different level of success and wants to challenge the, the status quo
0: beautiful, Sam. Well, listen, man, uh, I'm thankful to the Vanu- the gods of Vanuatu who gave us pristine internet for, for this conversation and for you for taking time out of your busy island life to be with us. <laughs> uh, I love hearing your story, man, and and, and really love uh, spending time with you in any capacity we can. And I'm looking forward to sharing this with everybody who listens because a lot of, lot of great wisdom in your journey, man. Thank you for sharing it with us today.
1: Thanks for having me on the show. And um, I'm, we're going for a
0: surf now, so... <laughs> Right on, man. Enjoy. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Jetty. I always love sitting down for a conversation with Sam because he has a beautiful blend of wisdom peacefulness, and good humor. I always find myself laughing with Sam, at Sam, or because of something he said. And in this interview in particular, I really loved how he spoke about success, how that's transformed in his life, being a man who's made a ton of money, who's had a lot of success on paper, a lot of success in terms of what society would deem success as a man, and who's come around and recognized that there are many different ways of defining success especially on a personal, on an individual level and bringing it all back into alignment with who we really are. So I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I did. If you know that you hear this conversation and it stirs something up in you and you're like, ah, I'm not hitting that definition of success that I feel is really what success is for me. If you're feeling like you know that you're not there, but you don't know how to get to where you want to be, Hit me up on Facebook Messenger or send me an email, jettyazuma at gmail.com, and tell me specifically what is the biggest challenge you're facing in your life right now, right in this moment. What is present for you? And I will help you find the next step. If I'm not the answer, I will point you to some resources that will be able to help you out, guaranteed. Okay? This is about every man in the world rising up. I don't know if you guys have figured it out yet, but that's my commitment is that every single man walking on this planet will be empowered to live his purpose into in his highest capacity. So if you're a man out there, let's get started because there's billions of us out there. I gotta take you guys down one step, one at a time, <laughs> all right? So hit me up, I mean that. Make sure you check out the show notes for links and resources at therisingmanpodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast and leave a review at the app of your choice, wherever you listen to this podcast, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you're listening to it. Hit us up, give us some love, snap a screenshot, Tag me in it and send it to the rising man podcast at gmail.com. This is the way that you're going to get some invitations to some of these special opportunities. So now you guys start to see where this is going. All right. So make sure you guys hit me up with some love. I'd love to share the reviews that you guys send uh, so that everybody can see how much value you're getting from this podcast and how much influence this community is having on the men around the world. It means it means a lot, especially to women out there. When they see men doing this work, they, they breathe a big sigh of relief. They're like, oh, finally men are really starting to communicate with each other and having spaces like this i'm telling you means a lot to people who are watching from the outside looking in so If you're not already a part of the Rising Man Facebook community, facebook.com slash groups slash the Rising Man. We're over 650 strong now, and we're only growing. If you are already in the group, please, please, please invite a man today. Invite a man right now. In fact, invite five. Come on, I know everybody's got five men out there that they could invite. Let's get this thing growing right now. This is where we're turning up the conversation, diving deep into some of these topics, and expanding who we are as men in the world. Hit us up on Instagram at TheRisingManPod or at Jetty Azuma. that is my personal Instagram. Shout out to my main man, Sean Offenbach over at Infinite Melodics, my dude at Infinite, M-E-L-O-D-I-X for the Instagrammers out there. Sean is the one who makes these podcasts sound incredible. He's an audio engineer. He's crushing the podcast game. He's crushing the music game. He's getting into video editing any needs you have, hit my man Sean up and give him some love. He is incredible. And if I could define him in one word, it is reliable. He never lets me down. So lots of love, Sean. Appreciate everything you do, brother. For the rest of us, until I see you again, rise up and claim your destiny.